Hey man, and welcome to another episode of Quality Manhood, a show meant for Christian men seeking to understand how to apply God's truth in everyday life. I'm one of the hosts of the show, PJ Burner, along with my co-host, Kellen Allen. What's happening? And we are here again with you this morning, or wherever you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to this, uh, and, and it's time for me to just be a little bit candid and transparent. Kellen, uh, I walked in on it, so I, he, I think you should explain. He did. He... Uh, I was in my office this morning and went to go make a purchase, and you guys have had this happen, right? I mean, it says purchase declined by bank. No, just you, but keep going. Well, just me. (laughs) Anyways, I was displeased with that, and uh, the reason I was displeased with that is because it's happened to me multiple times, right, with this one particular card, and it just, the the purchase gets flagged as fraudulent, and it's, I'm like, it's, I'm... My card was not stolen. This is me, again, (laughs) trying to do this. So I call the bank and get some guy. His name is probably George. Sitting at home. Sitting in Indiana somewhere. Middle America, one of the flyover states. Just not, he has no clue who I am, nor does he care who I am. And it's not like this is the dude that declined the transaction. Right. It's not like he's (laughs) watching me going, I'm going to get him and click, decline, right? (laughs) Yeah, but he answers the phone and he's like, how are you today? Well, my name's Peter Burner. Here's my information, yada, 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 right? And I laid out there for him. And uh, he's like, well, how can I help you? I'm like, well, you guys keep flagging my account as fraudulent when I'm trying to make these charges. And this is me and it's a legitimate purchase. And I don't know what you need to do, but you guys need to, like this guy has all the power to, <laughs> to undo, you know, fraudulent charge policies. <laughs> but I was a little short with the guy, I'll, I'll confess. And uh, he's like, okay, sir, well, let me, and he was super polite, super kind dude. And he's like, let me look into your account for you. And so he pulls it up. He's like, well, it wasn't actually a fraudulent charge. I was like, okay, well then what is it? <laughs> and he's like, well, sir, if, uh, if you'll look, he said that the bank declined the transaction because the merchant tried to run it with an expiration date of, of September of 2022. And if you'll take a look at your card and then he waited yeah. for the moment to waited just dawn on me. <laughs> and I looked down at my card and realized that I had entered it in wrong as September when it was really July. Yeah. So he's like, is there anything else I can help you with, sir? <laughs> like just that smugness, which he yeah. fully had the right to For be sure. smug at he, that moment, right? He has to give it back to you. Yeah. And I was like, nope, I'm good to go. Thanks, man. You've been great. Yeah. <laughs> Click. <laughs> oh, man. But I was thinking about, dude, that guy, We, Kellen, you and I were talking about it. He's probably talking to his buddies going, oh. hey, I had another one. Another totally. one of those idiots. Another one of those guys who thinks it's all our fault. Yeah, I mean, those are the water cooler conversations that, you know, they got to have some fun at their job too. Right. And so their fun is to probably poke fun at the people that call that they want to point it all at the company. And really it's, you know, like the, you call the, you know, the internet company or something like that. And you're like, my Wi-Fi is down. And they're like, did you unplug and plug back in? And they're like, it's it's working now. Um, right. Thanks. Yeah, and I don't know so, what happened. It just came back on. Right. Bye. It's like I've tried everything except that. But yeah, I mean, so they have their fun too. But yeah, I'm sure you probably felt a little convicted right after that. Oh yeah, and and I got to thinking about man, that guy's impression of me now is that this guy's a jerk, and uh, and I wouldn't blame him, right? And and sitting there thinking about that, number one, I was, I was wrong, and uh, number two, I don't want to be remembered as a jerk by anybody. Yeah. Even if it's just. <laughs> 
you know, he's going to forget about me when he takes the next call. And hopefully the next guy is dumber than I was, which he's totally going to put hard. notes in the system. So hard anybody to you talk to now, right. they're going to see. So did you get the expiration date right this time? <laughs> That's going to be the first thing. Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> no, but it got me thinking about how we, the impressions we leave on people and how we are remembered by people after we interact with them. And the, the, the biggest memory, the biggest area that we need to focus on when it comes to that is how are people going to remember us when we are gone? Yeah. When we're dead. Um, that's when we've got the biggest issue on our hands, right? And, yeah. and that's, that's the heaviest question that we need to ask ourselves as far as how are people going to remember us and what sort of legacy are we going to leave behind? And Kellen, you and I have just by nature, and it seems that these things do come in, in seasons for us, sometimes in ministry, we've been dealing with some memorials and funerals and... Yeah. You know, death has just been kind of on our minds and, and probably for more than just us as the guys that are listening to this, especially with this pandemic over this last year, yeah, I think he's brought death to the forefront for a lot of people and, uh, and reminded us of the frailty of life in so many different ways. And so as, as we're sitting here and we're alive, obviously, and, and we're doing okay for ourselves right now, as far as our health is concerned, uh, we want to be wise and not take that for granted and ask ourselves the question that Solomon encourages us to ask. And uh, that, that question he talks about in Ecclesiastes chapter seven, uh, verse two, he says, it's better to go to the house of mourning, to the house. In other words, he's saying it's better to go to a funeral than to go to a party or to the house of feasting. And you'd say, well, why Solomon? Why is it better to think about death than to just uh, lose yourself in revelry? And he says, the reason is because this is the end of all mankind. In other words, all of us are going to die and the living should take it to heart. Uh, Kellen, what does it mean that the living should take it to heart? If you've been to a, a funeral memorial, uh, then you've experienced this. There comes that moment where you know you walk in and it's just natural for us to do so. Is we start to think about what happens when it's my turn. I um, mean, what happens when that's me and what are people saying about me and... Um, where am I going at the end of this life? And because that is a destination for all of us and a, a, an event that's going to happen for all of us. As much as you know, we tend to want to push it off and not want to talk about it because it could be morbid, whatever it might be, when you go to these funerals that Solomon is talking about, it, it brings life to its, its perspective of this is, this is the end goal for all of us and we need to make sure that um, we're right and we know where we're going. And if not, then you know, it could cause some fear. It could cause some people not to want to go to funerals because it constantly puts that thought in their mind of what's going to happen at the end of this life. And so yeah, Solomon says that, and, and most people, even when you think about the book Ecclesiastes, it's one of those that you quickly want to breeze over because you know he starts off by coming out, vanity is vanity, all is vanity. Um, and that that's just something that the world doesn't want to hear. They want to talk about material things and what is going to make us happy today. And Solomon tells us in this entire book is like, look, there's nothing that's going to make us happy that's of this world. The only thing that's going to make us happy is pleasing God, being obedient to Him, and ultimately, you know, having Christ and knowing where we're going at the end of this life. Um, and yeah, that's something we don't want to wrestle with a lot. So yeah, funerals are, are great and they bring things to perspective, but it's something we don't often want to talk about right? that we need to. Right. And, and so I want you guys to think about, as morbid as this may sound, I want, I want you to think about your funeral someday uh, as you're listening to this. And uh, I want you to think about a, a few questions that, 
that we want to kick around. Number one is this. At your funeral, what is your biographer going to say? So typically the way that we do funerals here at Compass Bible Church is uh, is it involves a, a biography, which is essentially, th- these are the, the bullet points of your life. If your life was put on a resume, um, what would your what would the accomplishments be? Who were you? This is the time where that person describes who you are to everybody that's there so that somebody who knows you towards the end of your life that was there um, can get to know more about the beginning of your life and vice versa. Somebody who knew you earlier on can know more about who you were later on. So this is not a eulogy. This is not uh, speaking well of you necessarily. This is just your your biography. And, and so the question I want you to ask is, is what would your biographers say? In other words, a different way to think about this question is if your life was taken and put on an eight and a half sheet of eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and put on there with bullet points, and this is your life. These are all your accomplishments. This is your education. This is your job. This is where you lived. This is uh, the, the family that you had. This is uh, the retirement that you, you retired onto. These are the places that you traveled. What would your life look like if your life was essentially a, a resume, an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper with your bullet points on it? Think about that and ask yourself, man, is that what you would want it to be? Have you lived the life that you want to have lived? Have you done the things that you want that you want to have have done and want to have accomplished? Are there things on there that might show up on that biography that you're thinking to yourself, man, I really wish it wasn't there. I really wish I hadn't done that. Is there anything that you can change, that you can undo, that you can alter, that maybe you need to? Um, in the, the the coming years that if the Lord waits and if the Lord's patient with your your own life, that you have time still to to work on those things. So think about that and think about your biography. What are people going to say about your life? How are they going to sum it up if your life was bullet points on a sheet of paper? But the next one then, Kellen, is about our eulogies. Now, what is a eulogy in difference and how is that different from a, a biography? Yeah. So when we talk about a eulogy, that is when we have people coming up and they're, they're speaking about the impact that you made, the life that you live from their perspective. So this can be your kids, your, your neighbors, other family members, um, and they're coming up just talking about you know things that you did in your life, things that you accomplished, things that you spent the most time on, things that you cared about. Um, and so when we think about the eulogy for our life, wh- what are people going to say? Um, and it really, it's you know most times if you're alive, you have a, a, an opportunity to defend yourself. But this is the most important uh, question you have to ask yourself. If you're not there to defend yourself and speak up and say, "Well, no, I meant this. I meant this." What do your actions say about your life? And what are people? How are people going to remember you? And so, uh, this one is always. Uh, I mean, just one to think about uh, just right now, if you just kind of scale back from a 30,000 foot view and say, hey, what are some of the things I'm spending time on in my life? And as Christians, we want one of the first and primary things to be they're a man of of God. They were a faithful man. They um, were a follower of Jesus Christ. We we want that to be at the forefront of our mind. But oftentimes, what happens in our life is those are the ten, those are the things we have to speak to. But somebody just looking at our life on the surface, they can't tell that. And so, even again, taking a look at our life, what are the things that um, we spend the most time on? What are the things that our kids see us um, spending time on talking about? Even witnessing from their perspective of our conversations, are they? Um, about Christ today, about God. And those are, again, if it's not there, if you can be honest with yourself and look back and say, you know what, my kids would probably say, I love sports. I love the things that they love and I just want to make them happy. That's that's not a good thing. I mean, we, we can 
take this opportunity while we're alive and reset and make sure that that is something that is the primary focus that people come out of uh, looking at our lives and they can easily pinpoint that uh, we're a follower of Christ and um, that's the goal. Right, exactly. As you think about the closest relationships that you have, what are they going to say at your funeral, at your memorial? And obviously, it's a time when no matter who you were, people are going to stand up and try to be kind about you, right? But maybe a different way to think about it is how hard is it going to be for people to think about good things to say about you at your funeral? Yeah. Or is it going to come naturally? How hard is it for people to going to be for people to stand up there and you know, portray you as a man of God, or is that going to come naturally? You know, what's your wife going to say about you? What are your kids, your your sons, your daughters going to say about you? What, what Maybe you're not married. What's your best friend going to say about you? The mm-hmm. people closest to you, what are they going to say about you uh, when they stand up to give you a eulogy at your memorial? Think about that and, okay, what do I want them to say about me? And what do I need to change about my life now moving forward? Again, this is all part of what Solomon's driving at when he says it's better to go to a funeral than to a party. And then the third question I want you to think about men is this, how many people do you think would actually show up for your memorial? How many people would be there at your funeral? And uh, you might be thinking, well, really, is it, does it come down to numbers at the end of the day? In a way, yes. Yeah. Because why are numbers important at our funeral? I mean, they, they show exactly the impact that we have on people and uh, the relationships that we built. Were we out there? Were we known, not known, again, to puff up ourselves, but were we known in the sense that we were kind to people, we made an impact, people knew us, uh, for the the good things that we did, and I mean, you know, if you had a good relationship with people, they're going to show up. Uh, if you had a bad relationship, you, they're probably not going to spend the time to show up. Uh, or maybe they will, unfortunately. But you know, when you want to think about just the the numbers again, are the the, the lives that you were able to impact, uh, the people you were able to reach, and you know, it's not the end all be all, uh, but I think it says something about the person, right? Right. As as we kind of bring things down here in the second half of this, uh, this episode, I want to direct our attention to an article that was on Desiring God's website. Uh, it's an article that's written by a guy named David Gibson. And uh, the article is called Let Death Teach You How to Live. Let Death Teach You How to Live. And he, he piggybacks on so much of what Solomon has to say in the book of Ecclesiastes. And his first point in all this is death is a surgeon. Uh, he, he comments on three things that death does for us. And he says, number one, that death is a surgeon. And uh, we're preaching through Ecclesiastes in our men's Bible study, and so I, I'm well acquainted with what he's talking about here. But it's that concept that death confronts us with the the what Solomon's whole point is: vanity of life, the futility of life. That all of the things that we work for, you know, your career, your profession, your resume, your education, your family, even your possessions, your wealth, your status, your four hundred one k, all that. When we die, all of it's gone. Yeah. Right. It's it's like. Chuck Swindoll always used to say, you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Right. It, it doesn't come with you. And so death is a surgeon because it, it cuts us open. And as we consider it, and it, it begins to expose those things, those idols in our lives, right? That we're holding on to because death is a brick wall to those idols, um, a brick wall of reality for us. And so death is, is hugely important for us. And then the second thing is, is he says in here that the death is actually a, a preacher um, to us. And what does that mean? Kellen, how does death preach to us? Yeah, and we alluded to it a little bit earlier, but I mean, there's not much to say um, when you walk into a memorial. Like the death, the memorial, the funeral, whatever you're attending, it it preaches for itself and Mm -hmm. it convicts the heart and it it makes us think about, you know, what's going to happen 
in eternity, what's going to happen um, at the end of our life. And oftentimes as preachers, that's what we, we're getting at. We want people to focus on, you know, where are you at with Christ? Because at some point in time, life is going to end and you're going to stand before God and that question is going to be asked. So right. why not think about it now? Right. Why not put that in perspective now while you're alive? And so being, you know, death is a preacher in itself because it probably gets that word across right. way better than we can uh, because it's reality. It, right. make, it lets you see it, a visual of, okay, that's going to be me at some point in time. Right. Um, and so it does the same thing that we're aiming to do every time we step in the pulpit is preach the truth in, about what's reality for us. Yeah, I remember officiating a, a funeral where I felt like me getting up and preaching after this was just superfluous because there was a, a guy, it was a, a, a funeral for a, a Hispanic man and his one of his closest friends got up and I, I wish I understood Spanish because he got up and he gave the eulogy in Spanish and the, it was a, a funeral, which means that the, the body was present. That's mm-hmm. the difference between a funeral and a memorial. Yep. A memorial, the body's not present. A funeral, the body is there. So the casket was there, a closed casket, but still nonetheless, the casket was laid out right there, right in front of the pulpit. And this guy gets up and he begins to speak and he begins to plead. And Joseph, one of our, our uh, staff members here at the church who knows Spanish, he was there. And so he was kind of translating as much as he could on the fly for me. But this guy just gets passionate and animated and he's leaning over the pulpit and he's pointing at the coffin mm. as he's pleading with people. And it was a gospel presentation. Yeah, It was, hey, look, this is where all of us are gonna end up is basically what he was saying. And, uh, and if we're not ready for it, then th- there's no second chances after we're gone. And he's pointing at the coffin and the coffin was the sermon, right? The coffin was the, 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 the gavel. It was the weight. It was the, the message that was there was look at this, yeah. stare it in the face. And he was gesturing at it and just demonstrative towards it so that everybody would actually look at the fact that, okay, this is a coffin. There's a dead body inside it. The guy that we knew, right. he's in, well, his, his body's there yeah. now. He's gone. He's not here anymore. And yeah, death preaches to us that yeah. way. And we need, to, we need to, to, to listen to the message of death. I know there's a guy here at the, the church that I run into quite often, and he listens in, or attends, if he can, every single memorial that we have here at the church. Mm. And the reason he does that is because of what we're talking about here today, is because this is so significant for us to think about death and to learn from death and then to allow death to, to impact the way that we then live which is kind of that that third point that this article gets to. And it says that not only is death a surgeon and death a preacher, but death is also finally an artist, yeah. which is kind of weird. I wouldn't have chosen that word, <laughs> no. um, but Gibson did, whatever. Yeah. But his point here is it it, it allows us to now, now look at what is in front of us, the right. life that we have left to live kind of as a blank canvas and say, okay, how should I live now in light of the reality of death? Yeah, um, It kind of gives us that reset to examine our life and pick up pen and paper if we're going to use the artist imagery here and begin to sketch a different life in front of us in light of the fact that death awaits us. Yeah. And he puts it in that article, just as you said, he said, it urges us to sketch life and light on a canvas of our lives while we can. And that's the most important part in this is while we can. And we we get the opportunity to go to whether it's a funeral or memorial, and those adjustments can be made right then and there. It's not that you know we should go there and then quickly forget about it. No, go there with an understanding and and just praying to God and figuring out what needs to change in your life and make that change before it's too late. Because you know, a minute after that funeral or an hour after that funeral, a day after that funeral, that could be you, and we don't have that. 
um, you know, appointment that we know about is like, all right, it's, you know, my, my day is going to be this. We don't know. And so it's important that we look at these, um, these opportunities to go to a memorial and say, all right, I need to think about my life. How is this ministering to me? How is God preaching to me through the situation that I'm, I'm in right now? Right. And, and so much of Ecclesiastes, guys, Ecclesiastes is not a depressing book. And so often we approach it as a depressing, just defeating book. And so much of Ecclesiastes is trying to teach us, this is how to enjoy life and love life in light of the fact that death is coming. If you live your life mindless of the fact that you're going to die, then you're wasting your life because mm-hmm. you're living for stuff here, right? But if we understand that death is coming and we reorient ourselves to think about, okay, I'm going to live for what's not here. Solomon always uses the phrase under the sun. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to live not for what's under the sun, but the one that's over the sun, right? The one that's created all of this. That gives so much more meaning and fulfillment to everything that we have. Every relationship that you have, every day that you have. I'm reminded of Jonathan Edwards in one of his resolutions said, I'm going to live with all of my might while I do live. Every day, I'm going to live with all of my might while I do live. And what a great perspective. And that's what Solomon's really trying to drive us at. That's what death is trying to encourage us to do. Man, today you're in the car, you're at home, you're getting ready for work, wherever you are, you're on a run. You're listening to this right now. You Right now, this is a moment that God has given you to steward. And uh, and, and you're not going to have an un, unlimited number of these moments. Mm-hmm. You have a set number. Psalm 139, God has determined before you've even lived a single day, how many days you will live in your life. This is one of them. What are you doing with it, right? Uh, what are you doing with tomorrow? What are your plans for tomorrow? What are your plans for the next day? You know, take every single day as the Lord gives it to you and say, okay, this is another day that he's entrusted to me and to, to steward for him, to live for him, to glorify him. And so I want to do that and I want to do that well. And death is that reminder that this is what's coming for all of us. And so how are you now living today in order to prepare for that coming time? Yeah. And the last one I'll throw in is even Philippians 3, Paul the way he describes life is like he's straining forward ahead. He's pressing on. And so there's no coasting of like, hey, I got a marathon. I got time to catch up. He's like, no, I'm giving every effort that I have right now, like straining forward towards the goal of the upward call uh, of Christ. And he he's using that and saying that, yeah, take advantage of the time that you have now. Make every moment count and make it count for God's kingdom and make it count to glorify Christ as opposed to saying, you know what, I'll get there when that time comes because that time may never come. And so just something we need to think about more, uh, men. I mean, it's something that oftentimes the world will get us to try to distract us from thinking about that, which um, is its goal. And so we need to understand that and fight fight back hard. Right. Right. Well, man, we uh, are, as always, grateful that you tuned in to listen. Uh, Maybe not your favorite episode that we've ever done since this one was all about death, but uh, an important topic and certainly an important subject for us to consider as we are striving to be quality men of God. And Kellen and I are, are always praying for you guys towards that end and are about to do so now. And we will be praying this week, even as the week continues, that you will be quality men of God. 